This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Have you ever sat in a data meeting staring at your students' standardized test scores, feeling completely overwhelmed? Let me tell you a quick story. I started my career as a first and second grade multi-age teacher. I taught that for three years, and then I taught a year of just first grade. Oh my goodness, is there a lot of energy and a lot of singing in first grade? Anyway, after four years in first and second grade, I was moved to third grade. At the end of the year, when my principal told me about the move, I was instantly panicked. Third grade is the first year for state testing. I was terrified. Fast forward to the PD week prior to the start of that first year of teaching third grade, and we had a data meeting. This was the first state testing data meeting I had ever been in. Words from the previous spring were printed out into thick packets and placed on the table in front of each third and fourth grade teacher. We were asked to flip through and make noticings and wonderings about the data. I was literally sick to my stomach. The scores were terrible. The categories were endless. And to be honest, I had no idea what it meant or how to help improve it. We got through that data meeting, and I instantly ran down to my friends in first and second grade, and I cried. And let me be clear here. I am not a crier, but I cried. I was so overwhelmed and lost. How was I going to improve these test scores when I didn't even know what it meant to achieve in math? I didn't even know what third grade math was. Have you ever felt that way? After that, for the next 10 years, I've been looking at data and I felt similar to how I felt in that first data meeting. Less tears, but the same questions. What does this even mean? And how do we even help? I recently had that feeling when I looked at the report from the National Report Card or the NAEP scores. The NAEP is an educational assessment that was started in the early 90s, and they test fourth and eighth graders. The test is given by federal officials, and it's more rigorous than most state tests. It's given to nearly 450,000 fourth and eighth graders in more than 10,000 schools between January and March of any given. This year's reports are saying the results are devastating. This is the first test given since the pandemic in 2019. The math scores for eighth graders fell in almost every state. 
26% of eighth graders were proficient. And that's down from the already low 35% in 2019. In fourth grade, for both math and reading, students in the bottom 25th percentile lost more ground compared with the students at the top of their class, which means that the lower performing students are even further behind. And Black and Hispanic students who started out behind white and Asian peers are experiencing sharper declines than those groups in the fourth grade math. So the current status of our nation, as if this is coming as a surprise, I know it's not, is leaving us all asking, what does this mean? What does it mean to be proficient in math? And I wanted to really dig into this question and consider this big question first before we go into taking action and working on all the things that we're going to do to improve these devastating test scores. I find that sometimes it's helpful to take this step back, to look at the big picture, and really get a hold on what it is we're even doing here. So today, we're going to dive into what it means to be proficient in math. In 2001, the National Research Council published a report called Adding It Up. And in this report, it was a response to the growing concern that Americans have that children are not adequately acquiring the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to learn math. Adding it up offers conclusions that are based on reviews of research on math and teaching and learning. Inside of adding it up is an image and then chapters that explain that image. And that image is explaining what math proficiency is. It is depicted as a rope with five cords interwoven into one rope. It's called the five strands of mathematical proficiency. And inside the adding it up report, the, they say this quote, the most important observation we make about these five strands is that they are interwoven and interdependent. This observation has implications for how students acquire math proficiency, how teachers develop that proficiency in their students, and how teachers are educated to achieve that goal. So as we just heard from that quote, math proficiency is not just one thing, but it is five interwoven strands. On the remaining minutes of this episode, we're going to touch on each of those five strands and just discuss briefly what they are and how they might live in your math classroom. However, on subsequent episodes, I will go into a bit more depth about what each of those five strands look like, sound like, and feel like in real math classrooms. So let's take a moment here to reflect on that phrase, math proficiency. Before we talk about the five strands, what comes to mind for you when you hear the words math proficiency? What does a student need to do to know and to understand to be proficient at math? I would love to hear your responses to this. DM them to me at Hello Mona Math on Instagram or send me an email, hellomonamath at gmail.com. I think as teachers, we have to share more with each other in this space. I'm absolutely honored that you're listening and I would love to interact with you. So tell me, what does math proficiency look like and sound like in your classroom? Inside of adding up, 
they give us these five interwoven components of math proficiency. In no particular order, they are adaptive reasoning, strategic competence, conceptual understanding, productive disposition, and procedural fluency. Are you familiar with any of these words or have you had any professional development on any of these concepts? Maybe you covered them in a college class. To be honest with you, I've read a lot of those words in articles and inside of my own curriculum, but the meaning is sometimes unclear. So let's go through each one. Conceptual understanding, I feel like, is maybe the most popular of all of those. Conceptual understanding is the comprehension of math concepts, operations, and relations. It means the understanding goes beyond isolated facts and methods. Students understand the why of the mathematical idea. They understand why it's important and the context in which it's useful. Okay, so conceptual understanding is the comprehension of math ideas and concepts. The second one that I think might be a li- like second most popular is procedural fluency. Procedural fluency is defined as a skill in carrying out procedures flexibly, accurately, efficiently, and appropriately. Procedural fluency supports conceptual understanding. The third one, strategic competence. This is the ability to formulate, represent, and solve mathematical problems. It means that you can take a situation and turn it into a solvable problem that can be represented by a mathematical model. This means using your mathematical skills to produce a solution and then interpret and evaluate that solution in the context of the problem. Adaptive reasoning is the fourth strand. This is your capacity for logical thought, reflection, explanation, and justification. This is when students navigate through facts, procedures, concepts, and solution pathways And they see it all fit together in a way that makes sense. We see adaptive reasoning when we see our students justify their work. And finally, productive disposition. The habits and mindset to see math as useful and worthwhile, along with the the belief that diligence can help students achieve and make sense of math. Okay, so on the next few weeks of mini math moments, it's a quick episode that I'm putting out every Wednesday, we're going to go into a bit more depth about what each of these strands look like, sound like, and feel like, and how you can bring them to life in your classroom. So be sure to listen in every Monday for these longer episodes and Wednesdays for those mini math moments with me, Mona. It's alliteration. Welcome to Mini Math Chats, here to help math educators build confidence and spark inspiration for teaching math in less time than it takes you to run to the bathroom. I'm Mona, a former math avoider, teacher, and math coach. Everything changed for me when I started using a student-centered approach that honored my students' ideas and gave them space to focus on the problem-solving process, not just the product. 
In these mini math chats, I'll give you quick ideas and insights to do just that in your math community. Every Wednesday morning, we'll meet right here to jumpstart your math mindset for the day. 